Okay, Bokatov. Today's daf is Chafet 22. We pick up with the Mishnah on Chafal Famadvet, and we are continuing to deal with the materials with which a get can be written um, with the ink, the paper, and then we dealt with the idea of um, if it was written on a horn of a cow or on the arm of a slave, you have to give the slave, obviously you can't cut off the arm, but you have to give off the whole cow, and it seems like if you cut the horn of the cow off, that would invalidate the get, because that would be considered lacking cutting, even though it didn't need to be cut, somehow the act of cutting is considered to be a problem when it comes in between, um, and we discussed toast votes. Who said, who raised the question, what if you were just talking about cutting a, a, a get from a larger piece of paper? If you just trim off some, like, like, you know, some margins, that would assume to be trivial. But if it's somewhat transformative that the get is on a small, is, a, is on a piece of a very large paper and you cut it away from a bigger piece of paper, um, so it's, uh, you're not just cutting some stuff away from the get, you're cutting the get away from something else. Um, Tozel's had actually a debate whether or not that would be good, a real case, whether that was debated, whether or not that invalid validated the get. Pertosis is more inclined to say that the only act of cutting that invalidates is when you're cutting it from something that is either growing, like picking off a leaf of a tree, um, or uh, so it was written on the leaf and then you picked off the leaf, or from an animal that was, uh, so it was the horn of a cow, and then the cutting off is seen as more transformative. But that raises the important question of what's considered this act of cutting or lacking a cutting that actually is a problem between the writing and the giving um, of the get. So with that in mind, actually, we look at the next Mishnah, which in some ways continues the conversation. So let's look at the Mishnah. Let's just read the Mishnah just to get started and take the question. You do not write on something that's attached to the ground. If you wrote it on something attached, and then you... you uh, uprooted it. You picked the leaf off the tree, you cut the tree down, um, and then you signed it and gave it to her. Kasher. It's kasher. Because that seems to be emphasizing the position of, well, the Gemara is going to ask, make up your mind, do you or don't you? But a good way to read this is that this is Rebbe Mayer that ultimately focuses on the signing of the get. So you don't write l'chatchila on mechubah, this came up in the very beginning of the mesechet, because you might come to sign it, but if you did write, as long as you signed it, once the thing was cut down, you're okay. Um, so that's one way of reading it, especially because Rabbi Yehuda now is the next line. Rabbi Yehuda posel, batalush. But Rabbi Yehuda requires both the signing, the writing and the signing to be when it's cut down, because Rabbi Yehuda is the one that says, you know, that uh, against Rebbe Mayer, Rebbe Huda would be would be saying that it goes by the writing. Uh, it's not that the it's not Eri Karti. It's not the signing turns it into a get. It's the witnesses that are external when it's handed over, and therefore the writing of the get focuses on the actual writing, not on the signing. Right? If you remember from the very beginning of the Masechet, the Gemara connected those opinions. If you say Eri Chatzimakarti, the signing of, is what makes it into a get, and those are the signat- those are the witnesses that count. Then the pasuk that says the emphasizes really it becoming a get through the signing. So all the requirements focus on the signing. So that would be the first opinion that says as long as it's signed once it's not mechubar, you're okay. Whereas Rabbi Yehuda would be saying that maybe both the writing and the signing, or at least, or certainly the writing though, maybe, eight, so Eidi Mesirakarti is one way of understanding that, and therefore it's not the signatures that 
are so important and therefore the emphasis of the Torah is on the writing so the writing it has to be talush it is not enough that it be signed but talush okay that's Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Yehuda ben Bithero mer enkos in lola niyar machuk lola diftera you do not write on erased paper or on diftera it's a certain type of a cloth where were you to erase afterwards it would not be obvious that you had erased because it can be forged because basically a person can write a get sign it and then you can go ahead and maybe have made there was a tenai in the get and then the woman could erase the tenai and put some other line in it so it's not you know you can even sort of say that you could a person could have written um, I, an, uh, an IOU for a hundred dollars on such a thing and then the woman could scrape off everything from the top leave the signatures on the bottom and replace the top with a get so therefore you cannot do it on that because who knows what was actually whether there were any changes that took place in the document the Chachamim Achirim and the Chachamim allow it that's pretty crazy how could they allow it right it's, it's a very reasonable question how do you know what was there originally maybe something was erased and changed so the Gemara again will say that this Chachamim is aiding Mesir Akarti and therefore if you need there to be witnesses when it's handed over then the get does not have, then even if in theory you know you in the end are trusting the witnesses who are physically present um, and I they saw the get at, and they read it presumably they read it and they saw it at the time and uh, so that would be suffice and maybe it got changed later but in the end you'll always have those witnesses so we'll talk we'll unpack that um, in the Gemara as well so there are these, these questions about what type of document and whether it has to be Mukhubar, but to some degree ties back into very central questions about Eidi Mesira um, and Eidi Hasima yeah, um, there was a question you're good okay so um, now um, um, what was I going to say here ah, now an interesting thing just to raise parenthetically is why can't you write it in Mukhubar? well you would think because there's no way to give it in Mukhubar. but I want to remind you that yesterday we talked about writing uh, having to get in the hand of an Eved and then uh, gifting over the slave and that was considered as a giving of the gift because it was the slave holding the get at the same time and then the, by the taking possession of the slave the woman also took possession of the get that was in his hand so one raiser could raise a question about why can't you do the same even if something is mukhubalakarka you have it written on a bark of a tree instead of one of those hearts with the Sally loves John with the arrow going through it you say many on a tree okay and then you actually give your wife the deed of the of the property and she takes possession of that and that would be in the scene of get. okay so the Gemara never exactly spells out why mukhubar is no good but it seems like even if in theory you could give it there's some intrinsic psul with it being mukhubar okay Rambam understands that as this problem of mechuser you know ketzitzai because it requires being cutting down but one it's a little big the question why does it require being cut why can't you just gift the whole property but somehow we're assuming that no that for it to be a get it has to be somehow chattel and movable and it can't be just uh, connected to the ground okay and therefore the, the, the bait winds up being in the Mishnah which is wet, what stage does it become the get at the writing or, um, or only at the signing so if you wrote it and then cut it down and then signed it, would that be good or not? Yes. I would have said just based on the public, take those two but it wouldn't work on the tree. You know what I mean? Forget about whether the tree is colored. Why? Because isn't like a book, here's a tree, is a book. So yeah, so you could say that's a requirement of safe fair, which is similar to Rabbi Yosef who said that something can't be a safe fair if it's on Baal or food. Right. But the Gemara rabbis disagreed, and they said there is no limit yeah. about yeah. the objects. Yeah. So all I'm saying is, yes, we could say that there, we could, under, we, we could speculate that doesn't count as a safe fair, but the Gemara never spells out what the Mechubar problem is. It takes it for granted that it can't be Mechubar. Okay, so let's take a look at the Gemara.
that says you don't write it on Mechuber and then it says but if you wrote it on Mechuber and you signed it once it was cut down you're okay so I'm reviewed on Meshmuel um, so the first answer is well what we mean is don't write even the boilerplate that there's two phrases tofes and toref tof, I don't know exactly how they mean what they mean but to, I mean toref uh, but tofes means the boilerplate and the toref means the essence of it like the, the fill in the blanks part the names the places and, and so on okay so the part, even if you say that the ksiva has these requirements not the signing that becomes a get through the writing and if they require leave shaman they require all those things it's not the boilerplate part of it it's only the fill in the blanks part only the Torah the, the essential part of it that has those requirements so so he's saying that this could all follow Rabbi Eliezer of Eri Mesirakarti and nevertheless when it says that if you signed it afterwards you're okay it doesn't really mean signed it afterwards he's okay it means that if you cut it down and filled in the blanks afterwards of course that's a creative reread the Mishnah says you signed it afterwards but anyway you left over the essential part of the law, part of it and that now the, by the way the harayat mutarat l'chol adam even though that is boilerplate because every get says harayat mutarat l'chol adam that still is the Torah so that's like the punchline of the get okay so you left off all of the essential parts and then and that you filled in after you cut it down. That's when the Mishnah says it's okay. What did you put in before? What's the number? Yeah, you know, yeah. Well, no, but the date would be... Well, I don't know if the date would be a Torah, because it's... Mm, I'm not sure. I think that's the names and Haram Mutat L'Chol Adam. What? Yeah, well, yeah. Torah includes the date, the names of the names. The date, all right. Right, right. Those are the terms. Everything, everything that's not boilerplate, right? The names and the dates and the time and the names and the date and the place but I'm pretty but Hariyat Mutar L'Chodam he doesn't say they don't mention Hariyat Mutar L'Chodam um, I mean, Rashi says, I'm pretty, So there you go, it's getting for Rashi. But I'm pretty sure that is also included because that's like the essence of the get. Anyway, um, so, uh, but then there's all these lines that connect those facts. You know, think about Aksuva, right? I'm not sure we <laughs> all right, well, we, we should read it. I think there's actually the riff. I mean, I don't want to dig- digress too much, but I think that if you want to take a look, we should actually have. I think the riff has to. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. So take a look at the riff on um, page, well, I guess we'll digress for a minute, page Memhamud Bed and the Dapeha Riff. Okay? He has it. He says, "Bekach lekach for Shabbos, bekach lekach leyerch ploni, b'shnas kach lekach lebiyosolam, b'minyana deregila l'minyana bei b'duch to plonis." The counting that we do in this place. Eichau anap ploni bar ploni v'choshum de isli. How I so and so, and any other name I have, the mimasa plonis from so and such a city. Tavias berus nafshi. I desired with my own free will. Dulo anisa without being forced. Upatiris v'shavikis v'tariches, and I released and whatever divorced and divorced. Jafihi lichi. You to yourself, Aunt Plonis, Plonis, you so and so, Vakoshum de Islihi, and any other name you have, the Mimasa Plonis, the Havis Intatimin Kadmatina, you are my wife prior to this, Fikhado, and with this, Taruchis Yasihi Lihi, I've divorced you for yourself, Aunt Plonis, Plonis, Vakoshum de Isli, the Mimasa Plonis, Vidiasinan, Vidi Tehavin, Risha, you should be permitted, Livishalta Abin of Shai 
Kachi, control of your your own yourself, meaning you're in your own control. To go and marry any any man that you desire. Nobody should prevent you from doing such. So from this day forward, and you're permitted to vote every man. This should be from to you from me. Safe at Yeruchin, the get Peturin, a bill of divorce and a bill of divorce. The Geras Ruchin and a bill of divorce cannot most of you throw out. Okay, so there you go. I mean, uh, you actually say all that now? What? Right? Yeah, now? yeah. So half of it is basically the Torah. Anyway, fine. Okay, so back to the Gemara. So the Gemara says, um, So you left over when it says that you filled in the blanks. Said, when it says you did it after you cut it down, it doesn't mean you just signed it after you cut it down that it's okay, but you you filled in the blanks and you did the Harayat Muter Luchaldam. You did the essence of it after you cut it down. And then it could be going even if you say um, that the Eidim is Sirakarti and that the Iker is the writing. That the, uh, that the physical witnesses who are present make it a get, and the writing makes it a get, and not the signing. And therefore, if you're going to do the, if you, if you're go, if it's going to be kosher, you have to do, then you have to actually write it after it's cut down. So when it says you signed it after it's cut down, it meant you wrote the essential parts after it was cut down. Okay. So how come? And here's how you have to read it. Ain't kosin toref toref. Don't write the boilerplate when it's attached. Unless you come to write the essential part, But if you did write the boilerplate for Talshov Ksavo Latoref, and you cut it down, and then you wrote the essential parts, you filled in the blanks, and you wrote Avot Materet, and the son alone you gave it to a kosher. It is kosher. Okay, so it rereads the line that says Chsamo. You signed it, and says Chsamo doesn't mean you signed it. It means you filled in the essential parts after it was cut down. Now Rishlakish says Chsamo Shaninu. You can't say that. The mission says what you did after it was cut down was you signed it. So you can't reread the word signed it to mean you filled in the essential parts. Um, so, Vahachikama, and here's, I'm sorry, Rebbe Meir, it's Rebbe Meir, it, it becomes a get through the signing. That's clearly the shot of the Mishnah. Vahachikama, and here's how you have to read it. In Kosin Torah, you don't even write, you don't write the essential parts uh, while it's Mechubar. Gzeir Shem Yachtom, lest you come to actually finish it and sign it while it's attached. Savol Torah, Talshov Chasmo Nasnolak Shakikasher. But if you wrote the essential parts while it was attached, and then you cut it down, and then you signed it as long as you signed it after it was cut down then be the evidence okay because it's the signing that makes it into a get and only is when it's and only the signing has to occur when it is no longer attached to the ground okay now that's, so that's two reads of the Mishnah again not explaining why it's invalid when it's attached that's taken for granted but the question about when what part has to be detached when is the Mishnah saying it's okay is that we're going Rabbi Eliezer and it has to be that the Torah the actual writing of it the essential parts have to be when it's already cut down or only as the shot of the Mishnah only the signing because we're going like Rebbe Mayer okay now yeah don't you think that there might be some sense behind this Mahlogit of the relationship as stable as it is is more like Metaltolin than it is like Karka in other words it has to be you have to be moving. <laughs> that's very nicely symbolic. Okay, I don't know. I, I don't think that's why the Gemara assumes, but it's a nice, some nicely symbolic. Okay. All right. So now the Gemara says like this. Um, okay. Now, Let's say you wrote it on the 
on the pottery part of a of a of, of a planter of a flower pot that has a hole in it. Now we have to know that if you've got a flower pot that's got a hole in it, that's considered mukhubar lakarka, okay? Because here's I know you're right. The is assessed with it. Here's your karka, okay? And here's your here's your flower pot, and here's your right here's your nice little flower pot and here's your flower that's growing out of your flower pot okay and your flower pot is filled with dirt so soil thank you technically speaking soil now if it's got a hole in it then we basically look at this as sort of like a just a continuation of, of like a big like a little lump of soil right we see the hole is sort of connecting to the ground underneath the funny thing is even if it's a little off the ground and there's airspace between it and we just sort of see this as all part of the soil and it's growing and it's all connected to the ground if it's got a hole in the bottom of the seats okay so you have this flower pot with a hole in it and you wrote the get on the actual uh, pottery of the pot you actually wrote it on the pot itself not on the plant okay so um, you wrote it on the pot itself kasher it's kasher so you can just give the woman the pot now meaning yes and if you do, you do and we're not afraid that you'll do something different with that we'll take a look in a minute if you wrote it on the leaf of the plants growing in this flower pot because you just go go give her the pot same thing with the leaf on it it's possible because we're afraid you'll pluck off the leaf but we're not afraid you're going to like I don't know break uh, the flower pot now Tostros has a whole question about one minute like why would it be first of all the shot of this Gemara why aren't we afraid to break the flower pot or it's similar that we'll pluck off a leaf it could just be easier to pluck off a leaf than it is to break a flower pot but Tosus uses this its case to discuss his question about what type of a cutting afterwards invalidates the get one way of reading this is only when you cut something from being mechubar does it invalidate the get so if you pluck off a leaf that invalidates it right because it was mechubar now you made it non-mechubar that's why it was an atitznakov if you broke a piece of pottery that's like cutting off the small piece of the paper from the large piece of paper that would not invalidate so that's one way of understanding that the, okay and that's probably more closer to shot but Tosos has another problem where he makes a point let's say it does become invalid when you cl- cut something off that's growing when I give the woman this flower pot right is it still attacked is, is, is the hole still is it on the is it on the is it on the dirt okay is it still considered mukhubar okay so to, would that be kosher let's say you have something that is movable but still considered karka right can I give that as a get okay so that Tosus raises that question Tosus assumes it's not clear what the answer is the Mars isn't clear about that Tosus assumes that if I give this to a woman to divorce her I have to actually put it like on top of a table where it's no longer open airspace between the bottom of the pot and the dirt that makes it no longer mukhubar if I actually have something between it and the dirt okay as opposed to air air would still be considered mukhubar so that's a chiddish number one is as this it's not a get because it's considered mukhubar I can give it to the woman without plucking the leaf off and make it non-mukhubar but that's not considered cutting it right 
<laughs> it becomes very funny. I can't pluck the leaf off. By making it physically not mechubar, I've considered to transform it, to cut it, to change it, and I've invalidated it. But to give the flower pot in a way that makes it not mechubar without physically changing it, by putting it on top of a table, that actually is kosher. Right? So it's a very funny middle ground. The Gemara is not clear about any of this. Right? You could have said in the Gemara that is that any cutting invalidates, and if I did break the pot, if it was written on the pot and I broke the pot, it would be pasul. That's one opinion in Tosos. You could say only changing something from Muhubar invalidates, but then you have to ask, if I give her the flower pot when it's kosher, does it have to still be attached to the ground, or is it invalid if it's attached to the ground? Right, if it's, I mean, if the hole is sort of connected to the ground, and here Tosos' assumption is, is that you actually have to separate the hole from the ground, because you have to make the get not Muhubar, but if you you make the get not mechubar without physically changing it, that's okay. To pluck the leaf is not okay. To make it not mechubar without physically changing it, according to the way Tosos reads this, is necessary and okay. Alright, so anyway, very interesting about how this fits in Why to this whole idea of katitza. written on the pot and you break the pot, that's like treating the pot as if it were mechubar? No, Tosos says if it's written on the pot and you break the pot, it actually would be okay. It's like ripping right. the get from a larger piece of paper. Right. But if you wrote it on the leaf and plucked the leaf, right. You would have made it, you would have detached it by physically changing it, and that would invalidate. If you wrote it on the pot and left the pot sitting on the dirt, then it would be invalid because it would be mechubar. And again, it can't be mechubar. If you wrote it on the, on the leaf and then put the flower pot on the table, you've made it non-mechubar, so it's a kosher get, but you haven't physically changed it, so it's not considered that you did an act of cutting, and that's okay. So very walking a tightrope there. Anyway, none of that is clear in the Gemara. Okay, now the Gemara, uh, the, one, the one on the previous staff, Yatzazesh and Mechusar Ketiva. Okay, so now the Gemara continues to discuss this case of not really. We're, we're going to leave Gitin for for a minute and discuss halachas of kinyanim about this flower pot. Okay, it's my flower pot and it's Michael's seeds. Presumably, it's also Michael's dirt. I'm assuming, though that's not spelled out. But we're going to assume that it's Michael's dirt and his seeds. Okay, now Michael wants to buy my pot. Fine, I'll tell it to you. So he just needs to take possession of the actual pot itself. The dirt and the seeds are his. Well, the pot is considered metaltal in chattel. How do you take possession of chattel? By Mashiach. So, Kivin Shemashach Kana, he does a Mashiach on the pot, he owns the pot. Now, Machar Balzraim Lebal Atzitz. Let's say I want to take possession of the dirt and the seeds. Okay, what do I have to do? So, Lo Kana Israim. So, the dirt and the seeds, because the flower pot has a hole in it, is considered karka. It's very interesting. It's movable karka. It's sort of like. Yeah, but we clearly were talking about that. It's sort of like the case about an Evid. An Evid has a status like karka, but he's not mechubar, if you think about it, right? He's not physically attached and anchored in a place. So this too is, is karka, but it is movable. So you could have asked, how are you cone a movable karka? Maybe it's enough to do a mashichah. I can actually move this karka. But no, it says, since it's considered karka, I actually have to do a kinyan that I do on karka, which is chazaka. I could also do kesef. Rashi said, if I paid for it, then that, that also works by real estate. It doesn't work by cattle. But I haven't yet paid for it. Okay, I'm going to owe him the money. Welcome, welcome. So, um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a chazaka. The way you do a chazaka on karka 
is that you actually go ahead and you do something to improve the land. If I'm taking possession of your house, so or your your field, I go ahead and I like uh, dig a furrow in it. You know, I knock a stake into the ground. So I, yeah, maybe I, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I, maybe I water the, the stuff or oh, something. Yeah, I think that that would work. Yeah, you know, whatever I do, I do some type of a thing to improve the soil in that pot. I do a chazaka on the soil. Okay, now um, so I have to actually do a chazaka. Okay, now I own the whole pot with the flat, with the pot and the dirt and the soil and the seed, and I'm going to send them to sell, sell them to my friend Chava here, who just came in, and I want to give it to her as a welcome gift. Okay, a nice plant. Okay, so what does she have to do to take possession of it? Okay, so um, so as long once she does the chazaka on the actual seeds, she's going to go ahead and water the seeds, let's say, and she'll do a chazaka on the seeds, which is a chazaka on karka. She automatically owns the flower part. With pot which is metaltalin. Now, why is that? A chazaka doesn't work on metaltalin. A chazaka only works on the karka. How does that give her possession of the flower pot? So, um, um, this is what we teach land that does not have um, um, sort of uh, leans on it meaning uh, cattle is, is, is possessed together with land that does have leans on it meaning with real estate um, with the way you possess real estate with paying the money with doing the chazaka or with giving the document which means when I buy karka I can buy cattle to piggyback a Kenyan of cattle that I do through that Kenyan of Karka. Now, um, that's called the Kenyan Agav. Now, normally, the way we, it gets talked about in the Gemara is it could be completely like unrelated cattle. Like, basically, I'm trying to sell, um, you know, um, Michael, I don't know, um, um, 10,000 boxes of, uh, of widgets that I have in my storehouse. Now, what's he going to do? He's going to do machine on them. It's going to be a pain in the neck, right? So what I'm going to do, and anyway, they're in another state, and he needs to take possession of them right now. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to sell him a square inch of real estate Okay, maybe he'll sell it back to me after, but this will get the job done. Okay, and by taking, and by him giving me a dollar for that square inch of real estate, by taking possession of, which, because Karka is nicknamed to catch that, then I'll say, Agav, and t- uh, together with that Karka, you should go ahead and take possession of all of the other, of all those 10,000 boxes of widgets. Okay, and that works. By taking possession of Karka, you can piggyback on it, link to it, Metalpolin. Now, no, they don't. Now, there is discussions in the Gemara about etc. But in the end, we don't pass that that's necessary. It might also be because all karka is considered to be connected. So to some degree, right, it's all part of the earth. So somehow, it's a piece of something that's connected to where those things, I don't know, but what if, they have, what if I had them hovering with a magnet above the earth? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, but you don't need, normally by Agav, you don't need it to be physically present, although there's a discussion in the Gemara about this case is, of course, much better than that. This case might be the actual paradigm on which the other stuff is built, because as was you know, uh, uh, you know, Sam correctly pointed out, this makes it makes intuitive sense. If I'm basically selling you, let's imagine I'm selling you a furnished house. 
right? I'm selling you my field, and when you're going to buy my field, you will buy all of the wheat and the cows and the tractors and everything on the field. Okay, so that might be the paradigm on which the Kenyan Agav is based, even if Lahalacha, you don't actually need the other stuff to be physically on the land. So this case is obviously much better because it's actually literally like an extension of it and attached to it. Which Tosu says might lead to a halachic nafkamina. Because when I say you're going to get the 10,000 widgets by buying this square inch of land, I have to say bikona those widgets agav this land. I have to explicitly link them. Okay, whereas here it could be that I don't even have to say that. If you look at Tosu's, because it's like just intrinsically seen as one. Look at Tosu's. He says, um, Go possess it in, like through, in, you know, on, on top of the other thing. Since the, um, well, I don't know if the Atzitz needs the Zeraim or the Zeraim needs the Atzitz, but whatever. So since the, uh, um, since, you know, the, the, that the flower pot is considered sort of an extension of and secondary to the Zeraim. And if I'm thinking position of the Zeraim, the flower pot naturally comes with, I don't have to explicitly say, go agavuksni, connect it, I'm selling it to you. But even when I'm clearly selling you, when if it's a normal Kenyan agav, I have to use the word, be possess it, agav the karka. And here it also says, maybe not, because maybe here it's considered essentially one unit. Yes? Yeah. Right. But the third thing is, you know, just out of curiosity, like let's say you make a difference to condo or co-op, the co-op, we don't technically own the real thing, own shares. Alright, I'm not going to discuss that now. Alright, let's take a look at the Gemara. <laughs> uh, the Gemara says like this. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so it says, um, okay. Now, uh, now, 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 at least she'd owned the flower pot. She actually did a chazaka on the flower pot. How did she do a chazaka on the flower pot? She tried to improve it. I don't know. She painted it or something. Okay? So, um, she doesn't even own the flower pot, let alone not only the karka. Until you do a chazaka. Because chazaka doesn't work on the potalin. It doesn't work on the seeds indirectly. She didn't do the chazaka to the seeds. She did it to the flower pot. So the chazaka on the flower pot was nothing. It didn't help for the seeds and it didn't help for the flower pot. Okay. Now we have another halacha. Nikvo ba'aret. See that how you walk in and then you get mentioned ten times. Okay, <laughs> well, you, you, should, you should just know what we're saying about you when you're not here. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm happy it was this day. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't divorcing you, yeah. perhaps. It's okay. Flower pots are pretty, but yeah. Zra'im are considered karka. Well, writing that are presumably in soil. Um, if you actually have, a, if you have a packet of uh, seeds, right? Then that's not carca, right? Right. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I wonder if you had the seeds in the flower pot with the nekev, but they weren't actually in, in the dirt. Soil. Yeah, that's what well, I don't know if you had seeds lying on ground, which ha- um, before they took before they took root. I don't think so. I know. I think the Zerayim, I'm reading the Zerayim, I'm reading it in the soil. I'm reading it in the soil. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Okay. Now. Um... Okay. Nikva ba'aretz, v'nofo b'chutz aretz. Now we get, the Gemara has fun with this a number of times. Here we have a case. We've got, 
You know the old joke, which is is that if like a plane crashes and you know and um, and you know and exactly on the borderline between uh, I don't know um, you know between what, what would it be like uh, um, uh, Maryland and Virginia, where are the survivors buried? And the answer is survivors aren't buried. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> so you've got this flower pot <laughs> that's exactly on the borderline between, okay, Eretz Yisrael <laughs> and Bavel. <laughs> okay, it's exactly whatever, Chutzlaretz, okay, and it is, okay, except the flower, what does it say? It says, Nikva Varetz, the Nofobuchutzlaretz, okay? So you've got, it's on the borderline there. Here's your flower pot. Okay, it's got the hole is here. Okay, so it's connected to the dirt, but the flower, but but the tree is sort of going over the lawn like this. Okay, and here are the fruit. All right, so is the fruit high of in Trumas and Meisos or not? Now, you're right because the hole connects it to the ground in Eretz Yisrael, but the actual foliage and the fruit is growing over the line in Chutzach. Now, you could have asked that by a normal tree, yeah. which the Gemara does do in other places. But here, you could understand that there's more of a reason to say that we'll treat it like Chutzach. If it's a real tree going in Eretz Yisrael that's just leaning over the border, right, you could say, okay, but it's growing in Eretz Yisrael. The root and the trunk or whatever is in Eretz Yisrael. It's an Eretz Yisrael tree. tree it's Chayv and Shemus And maybe the same would be true in the reverse. True. Right? But, um, but in this case, in theory, the whole thing is movable. I could just move the flower pot and have it all in chutzlaret. So the degree to which it's considered, it's it, it this weird thing that's considered karka or mechubala karka, but it's movable. So maybe it's movable fact and the fact that the actual fruit is in the airspace of chutzlaret, and in theory the whole thing could just be pushed over and be in chutzlaret, maybe that's enough to give it a chutzlaret status. So that's the question. Okay, so let's take a look. It has holes in the bottom. Yeah, that's what I was trying to draw there. Okay, yeah, there's the hole. <laughs> okay, all right. So, um, all right. Elon, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, okay, okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah, I know. No, we're up to go. It's coming later. Okay. You go by the hole, and it's an Eretz Yisrael tree. And you go by where it's growing, and it's a Chutzlaret tree. Now, by the way, it's not necessarily clear that you would say the same in reverse. Like it could be that you require to be counted as Eretz Yisrael. You need both the Nekev and the Nof, right? You can imagine, right? It's not clear that you always say that you know, you know that it's just one of those things. You'll do the math anyway. Um, but <laughs> but anyway, at least in this case, Rav is saying that we treat it by as a chutzlaret tree. Um, okay, so Rav Amar Basar Nofarzli, Abay Amar Basar Nikvazlina, Rav Amar Basar Nofarzlina. Okay, now the Gemara explains. Did the Ashros if it actually took root? Then nobody disagrees. Then it's basically a tree growing in Eretz Yisrael, which leaning over the chutzlaret, but it's an Eretz Yisrael tree. It took root. It really is an Eretz Yisrael. Cleanly below us. We're talking that it didn't take root, that it's totally a movable tree. Okay? But, um, and that's why Rav is able to say that you go by where the actual foliage is. Because in theory, you could just move the flower pot. Um, so the Gemara says, are you telling me when it actually took root, they don't debate? Um, we could have that debate too, even if it's not movable. Um, the Hatsanah, we're talking the Mishnah. Shegano, two gardens. Zal Gavzu Al Gavzu. The Yark Bain One on top of the other, and there's a fla- and there's a and there's uh and there's a veg uh, a, a, a vegetable growing between them. So you have these two gardens. Here's Ruvain's garden. Oh God, I love it. 
and here's Shimon's garden, and you've got a plant that's growing like this out of the dirt right this is all dirt okay so whose plant is that it's growing from ruling soil into Shimon's airspace all right so um, how far off the ground is it it doesn't matter you only but if you want to make it happy it's you within 10 talk but 10 talk doesn't matter in this case it's all his airspace okay it belongs to the guy who owns the, the ground on top whose dirt it's growing from no, the guy whose airspace it's in. So you see, that's the debate about do we define something by the dirt it's growing from or the airspace. So this is no. That's because of the reason we care. That the guy could take his dirt and then there won't be the uh, vegetables. So that makes it belong to the guy on top. But the guy in the bottom can just fill up his uh, airspace with dirt and that'll make it go away. So therefore, that's uh, un- unrelated to this. Now, why is it unrelated to this? Why can't you say, I don't know, Chutzarts, I could just make a big mound of dirt and this won't have any space to grow. So it seems like what really makes it unrelated, I mean, is that that is a question about ownership. And this is a question, right? So ownership, you could say, if I could control this thing, I could sort of, dig it up, right, or to take away the soil, or fill it up and make it, you know, and destroy it, okay, that, that's the question of who possesses it. Who's more seen in possession of it, and then we could debate that in this case. This is not a question of who possesses it. It's not an ownership <laughs> question, right? This is a question about, is it considered to be growing from Eretz Yisrael to be Chayiv and Trumas and Maestris? Okay, so it's not the same question. So when it actually is rooted in Eretz Yisrael, everybody says it's it's growing from Eretz Yisrael. Everybody could admit it's growing from Ruvain soil. That doesn't necessarily mean that Ruvain possesses it. Okay, so this is a Dinimamanist possession question. But the Gemara is still insisting that when it comes to the question about its status in terms of Eretz Yisrael or Chutzlaret, it could be that if it's actually taken root, everybody agrees it goes by where is the soil that it's growing from. If it could be okay. destroyed or not destroyed. Why isn't that a question of whether it's metaltoline or not? No, what, what, I don't understand. You can, you I can cut down a tree. It doesn't make metaltolin. Well, in some uh, ways, you have to draw that line. No, no, no it's, anyway, it's not. So, are you still, you, I, would you, are you still going to say that they don't debate when it's taken root? So fine, that's not relevant. That's a question of Dini Mominus. Okay? But I still want to argue, even when it comes to the issue about Eretz Yisrael status, it makes a difference if it's taken root. I mean, they would debate even in the case where it took root. The Hatan, Utana Brysa. Elon exactly this a tree that's growing partly in Israel, partly in Chutzart. Rebbe says it's Tevel and Chulin mixed up with one another. Every fruit is half and half. What grows in Eretz Yisrael is Chayv, and what grows in Chutzart is, 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 is Patur. Now, what would be a case that you could identify the stuff that grows in Eretz Yisrael as opposed to stuff that grows in Chutzart? What does it mean it's half growing? So you can imagine two scenarios of half growing, right? You could imagine a scenario of half growing like this, right? That the tree is sort of like growing like that. But then how could you identify which half is growing in Eretz Yisrael, which half is growing in Chutzart? Presumably, if you're identifying which half is which, it means that the actual, wherever it's, the, the actual foliage, right, sort of covers both. I'm trying to sort of whatever. And then 
you know, so if the actual foliage covers both, you know, you got the fruit in Eretz Yisrael and the fruit in Chutz Laretz, and you can identify which is which. So you're dividing the fruit based on where the fruit is growing, the airspace where the foliage is. The foliage in Eretz Yisrael is Eretz Yisrael, the foliage in Chutz Laretz is Chutz Laretz. So you see, here's a case where we sort of ignore where it's taking root. Nobody is discussing where it's rooted. And we're just saying, is the fruit on this side of the line or the fruit on that side of the line? So that sounds like a case of a tree that even wherever it's taking root, its status is defined by where the foliage is. Is that clear? Yeah, yes? If the, because if the foliage, right, the very fact that we can imagine splitting, where did the fruit grow on which side of the line? We're talking about where the fruit is growing, which side of the tree is it coming off of. So presumably we're looking at the foliage as defining is in an energy strong chutzarts and we're not where the actual trunk of the tree is. Okay? Where it's, where it's divided by the roots. You're saying we're not taking Well, so the question is, well, the question is, the Gemara assumes that maybe it's irrelevant where the roots are. We're going to say that, but the Gemara assumes that if we're focusing on where the fruit is growing, the only thing that matters is where the fruit is and not where the roots are. That's what the Gemara assumes. That's what the Gemara's answer is. Okay, but for now, the Gemara is assuming that... This is the previous case. We are... We are right, but the Gemara assumes that in this case, not. Because this case only focuses on where the fruit is growing. Let's take a look. The Gemara says, like, my law, is it not that the ability to discuss which side the fruit is growing is a case of that half of the foliage is on one side, half on the other and it's irrelevant where the trunk of the tree is. So you see that even in the case where it's taken root we could focus totally on the foliage and that proves that you can go by that. So the Gemara says, lo, no who said who said that it's only the question about the foliage? Maybe we're talking about the actual trunk is also on the borderline. But the Gemara's got a problem. If the trunk and the roots are on the borderline, how can you say the part that grows, if you're focusing not on, it's not just a physical question. If you would say it's defined as where the tree is, you could say this part of the tree is on this side and this part is on this side. But if you say the tree's identity is defined from the ground that it's growing in, right, and it's growing here from both ground, from both places, how can you say the part that grows in Chiyuv is Chayuv and the part that grows in Ptur is Pater? Since it's getting nutrients from both sides and all the nutrients are nurturing the whole tree, if you focus on the ground and not on the fruit, right, that's the idea that you go, if you focus on the ground and not the fruit, right, then everything should be a mix. Because all of the whole tree is being nurtured from both grounds. If you focus on just where the fruit is, you can say, the simple way of understanding this debate, I don't know, simple, but a reasonable way of understanding this debate is, one approach says the tree's identity is where it's getting its nutrients from. Since it's getting its nutrients from both, it's in both glands, it actually is a mix of Tevo and, and, and Hulin because it's being fed by both lands. And the other says, I don't care where it's getting its nutrients from. I care where the fruit is growing. Half the fruit is growing here and half the fruit is growing there. Okay? So a good way of explaining that debate is whether you go by where it's, where it's, where it's, you know, where it's growing from or where the fruits are coming or, or the airspace of the fruit. But if we are saying that the position even about, even about the fruit is that it focuses, defines the tree based on the where it's planted so who cares that it, who, just because it's planted here doesn't mean that these half of the fruit
roots grow from this nutrient, and these ass grow from that. That's the way it works. Okay? So basically what it's saying is, yes, physically we're talking that it's planted in the middle and the, the, the fruits are divided. But a position that says you split the fruits, how could that position define something based on where it's planted? If you define it based on where it's planted, it doesn't work that the nutrients just go that way, right? They all feed the whole tree. So it should be then a mix. So let's see what the Gemara's answer is. That'll help clarify it. The Gemara says... Um, low. Mixed with Shashim Barats, mixed with Shashim Bechutzites. Mark says, My time at Reb Shimgam Liel. So, how could Reb Shimgam Liel, if you are defined, if you're claiming that when it's really taken root in the ground, everybody defines it by where it's planted, so how could Reb Shimgam Liel say you split the tree half and half? So, the Mark says, because we're talking about a special case. The Mafsik Tsunma, that there's a rock that divides it. Okay? So basically what we're talking about is is that it's a special case where there actually is a protruding rock here that actually comes up the tree along the like like this and actually, you know, these roots and it goes down into the ground and it runs along the line of the uh runs along the line of the borderline here, okay? So actually, this rock makes it that all of these roots are on one side and all of these roots are come down on the other side of the border, okay? So that ac- there actually is a way in which the roots don't, you know, crisscross underground. Even underground, the roots are separate. The roots on this side of, of the border are only, you know, only go down on this side and the roots on this side only go down on that side. Okay, so underground, they don't crisscross because there's a rock that goes deep into the ground that keeps them separate. Very nice, says the Gemara, but how about once they get into the tree? Okay, so the Gemara says, um, so my time, where were we? My time of Jerusalem, my time of my time of Rebbe, so why does Rebbe say that the whole tree is a mix? The Hadi RV, so that they, the, the nutrients get mixed up once it gets into the tree. The Mycomisli, what do they debate? Marsa Razira Mivalbel, that once it gets into, uh, out of the ground, and gets into the trunk of the tree, it all gets mixed together in the air, not in the air, but whatever, above ground. As long as underground the roots remain separate on their side of the line, even when the nutrients get into the tree, they just continue to feed their side of the tree. Okay? I, have, I, I doubt that's true, but I really have no idea. Anyway, so the point that the Gemara is saying is, if you're going to say you split the fruit it sounds like you're ignoring the, the question of where it's planted. Because if you pay attention to where it's planted and where it's getting its nutrients, it should all be a mix. The ability to only focus on the truth seems to say it doesn't matter what's going on down here. It only matters what's going on up there. And the man says, no, we could say that it does matter what's going on down here and construct a case where it remains separate even below, which allows me to say you split the fruit on top as well. Yes? When, when, when I encountered the words in the old ravine that they were yeah. mixed in yeah. Particularly since they have to come up with this very specialized case of the rock. Yeah. I understood the shot was that each individual piece of fruit would be a mixture. It is, correct. Right. Each That's Rebbe's position. Right. Each As opposed to Rebbe Shimon Gamliel. Right. Who each says you split the fruit. piece of fruit. Right. And you right. don't know, it's not like... That's Rebbe's position. Exactly. No, that's Rebbe, as opposed to Rebbe Shimon Gamliel, who splits it, this half and this half. That's exactly the debate. Well, this half and this half, 
is the tree itself, right? No, but, but meaning the half, the fruit that grows on this side of the right. line and the fruit that grows, that's Rabshim Lamuya. Right, but the mixture one is yeah. all exactly. the tree on the tree. Exactly, the exactly. So anyway, this is a case that the Gemara has a lot of fun with in general, which is a tree growing in one place and the, and the foliage and the fruit in another. Okay. Uh, here it seems that, here the Gemara is inclined to say that if you follow the foliage, you could follow the foliage here, even if normally you would go by where it's planted, but here it's fundamentally movable. So here, since it's fundamentally movable, you could go by the foliage and say in theory it could all be on the same side of the line as where the foliage is okay but it could be that when it's really taken root it could be in that case everybody would agree it goes by the soil from which it's growing although this case makes it sound like that might be debated the Gemara had a way of dealing with that yes the, the theoretical that I came up with is what if you have a shrub like right. a shrub is like a lot of little plants yeah, yeah. okay so there's one on this side one on that side one on this side right. and then the olive foliage is like mixed up together is that is there that would be a, that different than that well well that would be more of a classic case yeah. of the growing in one side and the foliage on another no but you so, can tell where the foliage is coming from in the shrub you can't you can't tell it's like right right so, so, uh, yeah but I mean to the degree that it would be going anyway but it would we'd have to deal with the suffix element but fundamentally it's a case where it's planted in one and the foliage goes into another space okay so anyway that's a fun case the Gemara deals with if it's actually that it's a case with an atitznaku it allows you more to discount the ground and to follow the foliage if it's actually taken root it's much more likely that you would just co- go uh, by where it is growing from okay back to the more uh, getting cases now we're back to saying that you don't write it on a piece of paper that is already erased um, or that um, can be um, what do you call it or that um, or distro which can be erased now by the way the point is is that the um is that the wit- now the question is, is that the witness's signature appears on here's the key because if you know the witness's signature appears on um, uh, over an erasure or on this diphthora and because the witness's signature appears there any change you make above won't look suspicious because it'll be so consistent right with the like if you erase the stuff on top and rewrite something and ah well we can't accept that it's written on an erasure but look the witness's signature is also on an erasure so Right, so that will make it all look consistent. Right, if the witness's signature is written. Imagine I come to a document. It's, the witness's signature is clean on a clean background, and the top is all erased. Obviously, you'd throw it out. It's clear what I did. Right, I took a nice document and I erased the top. But if the witness's signature is on the erasure, and then I'm writing the top on the erasure, I'll just re-erase the stuff on the top and replace it, and it all looks very consistent. So that's why that it's not acceptable. But Rabbi Huda, but the Chachamim uh, say it's okay. So let's take a look at this. Um, there are three types of uh, parchment or whatever, leathers. Matzah chipa v'diftera. So matzah is kamashma. Matzah is like a town. It's like, like matzah, you know, not fancy, thin, whatever, although they, they, their matzah was not our cracker matzah. But anyway. It's leather that has not been salted or treated with flour and is not, or this walnuts, untreated leather. So what is, why is it important to know, to know the ident- 
you know, what's that category? So, Lahotel Shabbos. Because to tell me the minimum amount of caring for that on Shabbos, because you would use it not to write on, but you'd use it to wrap little weights. And therefore, the amount that you would use to wrap a small weight, that would be amount of significance, and you'd be high for caring on Shabbos. The comma, how much of that would you use to wrap a small weight, or how much of a weight would you wrap with that? Which is the smallest, like, I don't know, a half a gram, or whatever. The, the smallest weight that they would use to wrap so the weights don't get worn away and that they're, you know, and they don't weigh what they're supposed to weigh. Chipa, now what's chipa? It's leather that's been salted but has not been treated with the flour. Below offit or the gallnut. What's it relevant to know that category? Well, it's Shabbos, same point. Because it has a different use and therefore a different shear. The Kamash Yura, what is the amount? Kiritani or because you, you would use it is you'd use it for a kamiya for an amulet now you could think it means to write an amulet although Rashi says it means you would use it to wrap an amulet uh, maybe it's not a- able to be written on it anyway that's what you would use those things for um, and maybe they'd be you know um, and uh, that, that would be the size for carrying on Shabbos okay they sold amulets right sold right um, okay diftera is salted and treated with this flour but it's not with this gallnut. Once it's with the gallnut, it's cloth. All these things are prior to it being cloth. Okay? Lemai Hilchazon, what's that? For Lotus Shabbos, for Kamish Yuro, could they lift over Lavis a get? Assuming like the Tanakama that you could write a get with this. Okay? Whereas when you have actual cloth, you would wear cloth which is more expensive the shear is to write the Parsha Katana Shebetzillin okay because that's what you would do with cloth is you'd use it for Kisvei Kodesh okay now we're going to get to this debate why should such a thing be kosher if it's forgeable so man chachamim who are the chachamim Amr Abelazar oh look at this we're going to finish the daf Amr Abelazar although Rebbe Eliezer he it's Rebbe Eliezer the Amar Aiden Asirakarti that says you go by the witnesses that see it being handed over and therefore even though it's forgeable okay what you could always do is you could always say well now um, we're just going to we wouldn't rely on it anyway because according to Rebeleza we always want to get the witnesses to tell us what they saw and that's why it's not a problem that it's written on something that could be forged because we would always anyway have to hear from the witnesses who were present Amar Rebeleza Lohirach Rebeleza even Rebeleza allowed us to use such a document it was only together with the testimony of the witnesses it was only if the witnesses came to Basin and testified right away that it were up to the divorce but if it would be like 10 days later you know um, they would, he would not allow why not we're still going by what the witnesses saw because we're afraid that there was a condition and it was forged meaning well, what we're afraid about what we're afraid about. But what about the fact that we go by witnesses that were actually present? We're not afraid about forgery because we're not just relying on the signatures. So the point is, people's memory is not perfect, right? So therefore... It's one, so what the way, one way to understand that, I mean, part of this huge process is to sort of navigate, you know, how this plays out according to the two positions. But here's one way that Tosu says. If you're saying, Rebbe Mayer, Eide Chasima Karti, what makes it into a document is that it test, it sort of, it test, it, it, you know, it provides its own testimony. Any document that is forgeable, that you can't rely on for the testimony that's in it, according to Rebbe Mayer, is not a document. Because Rebbe Mayer says what defines it as a document is the signature 
signatures that it's muchach mitocho that it testifies for itself and anything that's mizuyaf mitocho even if in theory for Rebbe Meir you could call the witnesses over and have them tell you what happened it wouldn't matter it wouldn't be a guess if it's not testifying effectively on its own about what happened okay that's Rebbe Meir but Rebbe Leah says I don't need it to testify on its own when it's happened to be a guess good it's a guess it's a good instrument for divorce the only problem is is that even if it's a good instrument for divorce how do we trust what happened that's a separate question right one question is does it function to free this woman there's another question which is how do we rely on it so oh you want to rely on it go call the witnesses okay but you know what witnesses sometimes their memory isn't perfect so after a certain period of time you won't be able to actually fully trust the witnesses and that's why he says that he only trusted him Alter and not Mikan Barasar Yamim. It's true. The document is and can't be relied on. It can still function as a get, okay? But if you want to know how do we know what happened, you better get the witnesses to testify right away. Because after a while, if the document was not forgeable, then we could combine their memory with the document. Yes, I recognize that document. That was the document we used. And therefore, we fill in the blanks based on their testimony and the document. But with a forgeable document, we're only relying on their memory and therefore we better get them to testify right away. Okay? Um, even from now for 10 days they would remember and it's not a problem okay so that's so that's again it's a, a question about figuring out exactly how the different positions play it but the easy way to understand is for Rabbi Meir that Eidi Hasima Karti something that is forgeable forget that it can't prove that she's divorced cannot function as a get a get has to be a document whose testimony is clear from within it. And for him, it's nothing. For Eliezer, functions as a get, and we can debate whether we can trust the witnesses to remember the specifics afterwards. Okay? Now the Gemara says like this. Um, when Rabbi Eliezer allowed such a forgeable document, it was only for a get. Not other documents. Other documents have to be able to be, and that was about writing a bill of sale, to actually be usable for a long period of time. Now, Tosa says, what's in the other documents category? Tosa is inclined to say what that means, and here's a very important conceptual distinction, which we've been spraying all along, but I'm just going to give you the key words. Is it a star Kenyan, or is it a star Raya? A Sharkinian is a document that functions as an instrument. So that is to free, to, to divorce a wife, to free a slave, or to transfer ownership of a field, of, of a piece of property. But that's not necessarily to prove who owns the property. I could write on this piece of paper, Sedim Lecha, and give it to you, and that might be sufficient to transfer ownership, even though it's not sufficient to prove exactly what happened. So Tosa says that when you're dealing with a Sharkinian, that's when Rebbe Lee says it doesn't have to testify to anything and it could be forgeable but if you're dealing with star staris it doesn't mean all of the stars it means staris that are star raya the whole purpose of the star is to prove what happened that you borrowed a thousand dollars from me to prove which piece of property I own everybody would agree that a star like that only functions if it is you know not forgeable and if it can testify to itself and if you can look at it many days later and it can have the same and the testimony is reliable okay even other staros 
Now, what good is something that's forgeable? So, Rabbi Yonah presumably is saying, you combine the memory of the witnesses with the star. Then who needs a star if witnesses are testifying? Well, maybe you need a star because if I borrow money from you with a star, you have liens. And if I borrow without a star, you don't have liens. Right? So maybe that's what Rabbi Yochanan is saying. Okay? But Rabbi Yochanan is saying, even other stars, you can use it with somehow a forgeable document together with the actual witnesses. But doesn't it say they have to last a long time? So that's Eitzatov, Kamash Milan. This is giving you good advice. If you want to use your document, you'll do it in a way that you can use it after a long time. But it's not a requirement of the document. So we have here a very critical issue in Hilchos Get. Maybe I'll repeat it again tomorrow because we were a little rushed. But just to say what, again, one sentence. For Rabbi Meir, a, docu- a get that is not, that Eri Chasim Akarti, that does not testify for itself what happened, cannot serve as an instrument of divorce. It's not just not a raya. If it's not a raya, it's not a get. For Rabbi Eliezer, even though it's, it's no longer a raya, it can still serve as a start kingian as an instrument for divorce. Okay, and then there's a question, can we trust the witnesses to remember what happened? But that's a separate question, proving it. Okay, but it can still tr- function as a star kingian. And then the Gemara wants to know, what would Rabbi Eliezer say by other starot? Does other starot mean other star kingians? Maybe like a shikhar of an evet or transferring a field? Maybe there he would agree it has to be it has to be also a star raya. That's one way of saying it. Or is he saying, no, no, no. Every other star kingian is like a get. It doesn't have to be a star raya. But something that's a star raya, that better be something that is able to testify for itself, that you can't rely on testimony external to the document. For the document to be a star raya, it obviously has to there. He would obviously agree that it has to function and it has to be able to be written on something that is not forgeable and can actually serve as testimony, as, as a form of written testimony. So that, that okay. would be if it 